0: you back? I'm the one that came back, right? I was gone last week. Hey, didn't Pastor Tito do a great job last weekend? I know he did. <clears throat> Had an amazing message that he gave on Jesus going to the outsider, and I know it really connected with a lot of us in, in here, so thank you for, so much for accepting Tito whenever he fills in. Uh, I know he loves to get the chance to do that, so I love being able to have Pastor Tito as a right-hand guy to kind of fill in so that we can get, get away every now and then and just uh, rest a little bit, and so we got away down the Ocean Beach last weekend where we could take the babies, like my real babies, you know, the dogs, yeah. Not the kids. They're they're you know they got to fend for themselves. I got to take the dogs now. So anyway, we had a great trip down there. So thank you for your prayers, and uh, we were glad to be back. Hey, before we get into it, go ahead and take out your phones if you could turn those to either silent or off. We'd really appreciate that. And then while you have your phone out, go ahead and open up the app, the New Life app, because that's where the message notes are located. We don't pass out notes uh, here. We're going to start doing that back uh, towards Easter, uh, but over the last couple of years, we've not been passing out. Um, any any type of paper because of covid and so we stopped doing that a couple of years ago but that's where the message notes are and you can archive them in there too so it's a really cool place uh, really good uh, opportunity to be able to do that uh, before we get into uh, too deeply just want to go through the, the texting uh, those of you that have been part of our family for a while you know that we have this number three zero five zero zero and you can text prayers you can text connect three uh, you can connect you can text p update that's really really an important one uh, because we we have our men's bible study on Tuesday mornings, right here at six thirty, and we also do. We also had our men's breakfast yesterday, and so we sent out a mass text, and so a lot, some people still aren't getting those text messages. And it's super easy. Go to create a new text, and at the two up the top. Just put 30500, and then at the, at the bottom, uh, the texting part, just put P-update, and that'll put you on our texting list. That way you can keep up with everything that we got uh, happening around here because uh, we text things like baptisms, child dedications. We have child dedications uh, coming up pretty soon. Do you know the exact date on that, the child dedications, I think? It's sometime in May, right, around Mother's Day, something like that. So, uh, so that's the time where we dedicate our, our, our kids, our, our children, our babies, uh, those of you that, that want to do that. So we send those kind of reminders out like that through our texting system. So that's why it's so important uh, to do that, uh, that P update to 30500, okay? And then uh, also a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had our good family chat, our good heart to heart about where we are with our uh, where we are financially as a campus and as a church as a whole and uh, just kind of let you know th- these are the needs that we have. <clears throat> this is where we are financially this is where we were a year ago, and so and then we put out a challenge for us all to step up and say, what can we be doing right now? We know gas prices are through the roof and we know everything's uh, crazy in our world right now. And a lot of times when we live in that fear, we live in that anxiety, some of the first things that we hold on to is what we tend to wanna to release to God. And so we had that good, that good family chat a couple of weeks ago and many of you responded. So we, we just wanna say thank you because we have seen an increase uh, in the resources that's been coming in on a weekly basis. And so those of you that say, you know what? New Life Patterson is my home. This is where I'm staking, you know, putting my stakes in the ground, and this is my faith family, and you've never been a part of uh, surrendering over resources. We just want to say thank you for those of you that made that 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 took that step, and those of you that say, "You know what? I can do better." Uh, This is what I'm actually tipping to God instead of tithing to God or giving to God. And I want to stretch myself and actually do more. And so we've seen an uptick in that. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you for responding uh, to that because uh, your giving helps us do ministry, not just here on Sundays, but beyond these four walls. So thank you so much for responding to that. I I wanted to give you an update on something that happened uh, not yesterday, but last Saturday is super cool. Um, Those of you that know that on Thursday mornings, we get together, the pastors in the community get together and we pray, uh, pray with each other, pray for each other's churches. We pray for each other's marriages and and just lives. And we were invested into each other's lives. And so one of the churches in our area is pastor Hercules and, uh, Yes, that's his real name, Pastor Hercules. Uh, he pastors the Samoan Assemblies of God Church here in town. And uh, if you see him, you would know why they call him Hercules. He's a big Samoan. And, uh, and so a good friend of mine and who I've come to, uh, to, to be really uh, well acquainted with. And so he called me a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> and he said, Pastor Jeremy, we're having a graduation coming up soon with people in our church who are getting credentialed in ministry. And we were wondering if we could use your building for our graduation ceremony. Of course, me, you know, I'm like, yeah, everything's all great. You know, I don't need to know the details. And I know that Anna and Tito, I drive them nuts because they're like, did you ask about details? And so when I called Hercules, I said, so how many do you have graduating? I figured he was going to say, ah, oh, two or three, 14. I'm like, okay. And so, yeah, 14 people. And, uh, and I said, well, how many people are you expecting to be there? Oh, probably about 110, 120. Oh. oh. But look, that's like fills all this area and bleeds over into this area. And I said, okay. And then he said, and we want to bring a full band. And he said, Jeremy, don't forget the Samoans. We don't do anything small. I'm like, no, I, I do remember that. And so, um, so anyway, they had a full band here and they were this, this building was an amazing blessing for their church. And I just ran into him yesterday morning. <clears throat> yeah. Yesterday morning, I ran into him at Walmart. It was six o'clock in the morning. I ran into him and he would not let me go just going on and on about the blessing that we were to their church. And they're building their own church right now too. And so he said their people were going around and taking pictures of everything in here and Pastor Hercules, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And just about everything that, uh, that they loved. And he said, he said um, our praise and worship team is wanting to make a CD because all they, they did uh, praise and worship songs that we do, but they did it all in. Samoan. And so they had the lyrics on the screen. And he said, we've been wanting to do a CD. And he said, your sound equipment and your tech guy, Jackson back here, give it up for Jackson back there. Is so good. He said, all we need is that recording. And that's our CD because it was so good. And then he said this, and this is the most proud moment that I had in our conversation. He said, I just want to let you know, as a pastor of New Life Patterson, he said, I had multiple people from my church say that they could feel the presence of God in that building. So that's something, yes. And he said that they said that of all the churches that they go and visit, they haven't felt the presence of God this powerful like they did here. And so this, I told him, I said, Hercules, this place has been bathed in prayer since day one and because we knew that God is bringing the harvest in, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and we see new faces all the time. And so we know that God's doing something really special here and that God's anointing is is on this place and that that God's presence is here. And so, uh, you know, years ago, uh, I know I, I realized growing up in church that I, that my dad and all the people that I grew up with had it backwards. They would pray for several minutes at the beginning of service and say, let's just invite the presence of the Lord here this morning. I'm like, and now that I got older and I've studied the scriptures, I said, wait, God's already here. This is his house. He's inviting us into his presence. We don't have to invite him into our presence. So anyway, I just want to say that as, as, as the pastor of New Life Patterson, that we're doing things right that we are ushering in uh, a movement of God in our community and it's starting right here in our church. And so I'm glad that you are part of this family and uh, I can't wait to see what's next. So I just wanted to share that with you. I know that that was really cool for me and I wanted to share that with you as well. Hey, also, if you are here for the first time, we have a gift for you. So before you leave, when you head out those double doors, you'll see a table there on your left and you'll see these New Life Patterson coffee mugs. That is our gift to you for being a guest with us this morning. And one thing we like to say, if you're here and you do not have a home church, then we just want to say to you, welcome home. Thank you for being here. The last thing I wanted to cover before we jump into the message this week is um, Easter's coming up. Guys, three weeks from today, we get to have Easter right here in our own building, all right? We, like we've said before, we're like the Israelites, just this nomadic tribe meeting in people's yards and wherever we could while we were building this place and during COVID because we didn't have a place. <laughs> but Easter is coming up. And I know uh, several weeks ago we said, this is how many volunteers we are needing to add to our campus. The Turlock campus was needing to add like 180 or something like that. We needed to add 40 onto our teams. And so over the past few weeks, we've been able to mobilize about 10 volunteers. So leading up to Easter, we're still looking to add about 30 more volunteers, specifically in our kids' ministry. Our kids' ministry is growing, and we need about, 11, about 10 to 11 more uh, volunteers in there to help out Miss Anna on kids' ministry. A couple of weeks ago, we actually had to combine classes uh, because we didn't have enough volunteers. And let me just say that our kids are still safe they're still learning about Jesus miss anna has been doing this for a long long time and she knows what she's doing so she, she's able to make decisions on the fly there but uh, a couple of weeks ago we had a com- we had a combined classes and i thought is this, is this just a patterson thing no the turlock campus when i was talking to miss courtney she oversees family ministries in there they had a combined five classes because there's a volunteer shortage right now. And I thought, man, is this just a new life thing? And so I was, I've been uh, connecting to a lot of my pastor friends all over the country. And they said, Jeremy, it's not, it's not just a new life thing. Churches all over the country are having volunteer shortages. And so we just want to say that we are a family. And so if, If you check in your kids and you say, you know what, I can give Miss Anna one Sunday a month. I can do that. Or I can uh, give the greeting team or the usher team or the coffee team one Sunday a month or one Sunday uh, every other month, Whatever, whatever works out with your schedule, just know that we need you. And it's super easy to sign up for a team. Normally, I would send you to Miss Anna, and she'd get you all signed up. We don't have to do that anymore. We have, technology has been amazing. So on that same number, that 30500, all you have to do is take your phone, and when you create a text, put that number up there, and then just put team, T-E-A-M. And when you do that, you'll get a form sent to you, click the Patterson Campus, and just go from there. But I'm, we're looking to add, like I said, 30 more volunteers uh, because Easter is going to come, and I know that this building is going to be full for both services. And we are a family and we need to make this happen together. Okay. So if you can do that for us, we would really appreciate that. Just text TEAM to 30500 and we will get you plugged in. It's super low commitment. And like we've said before, uh, we, we do not burn out our volunteers. Some of our volunteers that we have now have been serving uh, since the beginning of October without a break. And so we need to give them a break because we don't want to burn them out. As much as they come up to us and say, Pastor Jeremy, I'll serve every week. Yeah, that lasts for a few months. And then They 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 get tired and then we never see them again. So we don't want that to happen. We want to we want to uh, not get not exhaust our volunteers. So if you could do that, that'd be great, uh, so that we can serve Jesus together. Okay, all right. Get out your Bibles. Uh, If you have your physical Bibles, we're going to be in two prominent places in Scripture today. We're going to be in John chapter eleven and Matthew chapter nine. John chapter eleven and Matthew chapter nine. There goes a Matthew right there. Hey, what's up, dude? John eleven and Matthew nine. Have you ever been out and about, uh, and you found some little out the way, out of the way restaurant, like some hole in the wall, and you're like, I don't know if I should eat there, but you go in and you're like, that's some of the best whatever I've ever had in my life. We've all had those experiences, right, where you eat a place, eat at a place, because we judged it by the outside and we think there's no way that there's good food inside of there, but you go in there and then you start telling other people about it and they're like, oh yeah, we eat there all the time. You're like, I, I've never even heard about it. Um, back a couple of years ago, Janet and I were in Modesto and I said, man, I'm craving some barbecue. Some bar- you know, so, so start Googling some barbecue places. So she found this place and she said, okay, this place has like 3,000 reviews, four and a half stars. Uh, all these great things are said about this place. And I said, put it in, let's go. So we pull up, we pull into the driveway, pull into the parking lot, and I said, do not get out. I don't know where we are, but I think they're murdering people inside that building. They've got to be, there's something dangerous going around because all of the buildings and businesses leading up to this place all had chain link razor wire around it, and then this big, this big barbecue place or this little tiny barbecue place right here in the middle of all these businesses, and I said, don't get out of the car. I, I'm serious, I, I'm scared right now. But then I look out in the front, and there's this huge barbecue tank smoker and the, the aroma that's coming from that thing. It's like the cartoons, you know, that where the, uh, where the, 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 the aroma would grab the cartoon character and they would start waving their body, of, you know, to whatever it is. That's what it was doing to Janet and I. And we went in and it was m- one of the best barbecue places we have ever eaten in Modesto. You probably know where I'm talking about, Doc's. Right. We all know where it is. It's, it was amazing. I loved that place and I tell everybody about it. And even when I came back and said, look, I ate at the scariest place, but the best barbecue place. And they said, oh yeah, that's Doc's. Everybody goes there. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, there's another place in Tennessee. And uh, so we were going to my brother's and taking some back roads to his house and about an hour away from my house and typical Tennessee road, you know, super curvy and windy and hilly. And then we p- passed by this shack. I mean, this shack on the side of the road. And there was a sign out front that was literally hand-painted, and it said such and such Cajun, Cajun diner, Cajun restaurant or something. I was like, oh, I bet that was a good place to eat 40 years ago, you know. And so I get to my brother's house, and I said, hey, I saw that, that restaurant, you know, back there, uh, that, that Cajun restaurant back there. He said, oh, yeah, there's a two-month waiting list to eat there. I said, a two-month waiting list? That place should be Condemned. And he said, no, he said, they're only open on Friday and Saturday nights. It's a hundred dollars per person to eat there. And they give you a five course meal. And at the end of the night, a portion of the back props up, literally men prop it up and they put two by fours to hold the back of it up and they play Cajun bluegrass music till midnight and it's all you can drink. So they said, there's a two month waiting list and it's some of the best Cajun food you will ever eat. And I'm like, I don't even know if I wanted to eat at the property, much less inside there, but... It's totally unexpected. You would not think by looking at that place, and Janet and and I thought it was literally just a condemned shack, but totally unexpected because we judge things by how things look, don't we? Automatically. Well, sometimes unexpected places can bring life-changing moments too. Back in the 70s, there was a small group of people, about 30 people in all, who had left two or three different churches, and they said, we wanna create our own church because there's an experience of God in our lives that we want to share with others. We want to invite others to share this journey with us. And so where do we do this? How do we do this? And so new life was born and they, and they started renting the American Legion Hall in downtown Turlock, totally unexpected, totally, totally unexpected place to find joy and hope. I mean, this place stunk Every Sunday morning, when they because they were set up teardown church, no air conditioning in this place. So they were setting up church in the American Legion Hall, and it still stunk from the from the, the bar closing the night before. A couple of times a year, they got the smell of the uh, of the crab feed from Friday night. Bats were always flying around during service. That would come out uh, 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 out of the eaves at night. It was an unexpected unexpected place to find joy and hope. And then this church bought 12 acres of alfalfa, of, of an alfalfa field, right off of 99. And everybody thought they were crazy. Why are you buying this land out in the middle of nowhere? No one's going to want to drive that far to go to church. If you're unfamiliar with Turlock, at this time that they bought this, there was no Monta Vista crossings, crossings there was no Walmart, there was no housing. It was just dairies and baby's breath farms and alfalfa fields that's all it was. What an unexpected place. How could God do something here with that? It's hard to imagine now because the Turlock campus is surrounded by shopping and car dealerships and Dust Bowl and the Amazon fulfillment that's going up and Costco and all that. But how unexpected and amazing. Was it new life? No, it wasn't new life. It was our God who uses unlikely people and unexpected places and circumstances to show his goodness, to show his power, and to show his purposes. And then, because he's God, he invites us on the journey with him. I'll tell you another story. About 20 years ago, Patterson was this small central hub community with apricot orchards as far as you could see, thousands of acres all the way to I-5, and then the industry started coming in, those of you that have lived here long enough to see that, commercial buildings were going up all over the place and one of those mid-sized warehouses and office combo was this building right here. It was an AT&T and then they moved out and Frontier moved in and then Frontier moved out and then it just sat empty. And the same church that started in that smelly American Legion Hall in downtown Turlock in 1977 Planted a campus right here in Patterson. And we began to renovate this building that we're in now after starting from the high school. So can God show up and do work in the auditorium of a high school? Yeah, he did. And now can God show up in an old warehouse that's been refurbished? Yep. And he is. God loves unique places to promote his people. God loves unexpected places to carry out his plans. He chose places like deserts and weddings that we talked about the first couple of weeks here in uh, small towns and villages all throughout scripture. He chose a garden for the first man and woman, a field of sheep to promote a shepherd named David to be the king of Israel, a lion's den for Daniel, a furnace to rescue three Hebrew teens who refused to bow to a wicked and corrupt king a valley of dry bones to give a vision to Ezekiel. God loves unexpected places. In fact, when two of the disciples were talking about where Jesus came from, one of them said to the other, you've got to come and meet the Messiah. You've got to come and meet the one, the one that the, that the, the, the prophets have been talking about for centuries is here, and he came from Nazareth. And the other disciples said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Turlock? Can anything good come from Patterson? In 1991, 1991 is the year that I put all my chips in with my relationship with God in the gymnasium of a church camp on top of Signal Mountain, Tennessee. And then 14 years later, God moved us to Colorado and then to Wisconsin and then here to California. I know everybody here is trying to get out of here to move to Tennessee. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And now God brought us here because God likes to do things different with unexpected people and unexpected places. Likewise, pastor Tito trusted his life to Jesus at a men's retreat on a mountain here in California and then brought God brought him from Oakland to Turlock and to Patterson, unexpected people in unexpected places. Miss Anna was born in Portugal and then lived in Africa for a little bit and then came over to the United States, Miami, and then Patterson from there. Unexpected people, unexpected places. And I think God likes surprising us when, just when we think we've got it all dialed in. I think God loves to surprise us. I think God loves to surprise us when we think we've got it all figured out because that's when he steps in and says, trust me, I'm at work in you, and I'm I'm at work around you. Just watch and see. Look what the Apostle Paul wrote about it in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. So you know, we're in this series called Jesus Went, and we've looked at how Jesus went to the desert, how Jesus went to the wedding, and then last week, how Jesus went to the outsider. So today, we're going to be talking about how Jesus went to three different unexpected places, and he accomplished what only he can do. So here's what I want us to kind of have in the forefront of our mind as we navigate through this message today to be processing through is this, Jesus went to all these places, he can and he will go to the unexpected places of your life. And not only can he, not only will he, if you invite him, but he'll also invite you along in the journey. So today, Jesus wants you to experience a brand new life. Because if you're like me, you have places inside your life that are dead. You have places in your life that may be even dying. Maybe places that are dried up. It could be mentally It could be emotionally. It could be relationally. Or it could be spiritually. And Jesus wants you to experience something different. He wants you to experience something unexpected. So write this down for number one. Jesus invites me to live again. He invites me to live again. Maybe you grew up in church and you heard the story of uh, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. The unexpected thing for me is not... It's not that Jesus went to a cemetery. I mean, he, he may have done this often to, uh, to, pay, uh, you know, to pay tribute or just to remember, reflect on maybe a family member. We've all done that. We go to uh, cemeteries to remember loved ones. But the thing that turns this story is this. Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick, but he did nothing. He waited and he waited and he waited. Why didn't Jesus go right away? Because he could have healed him. This was a family member, not, not, not blood related, but he was, this was a, a good friend of the families. But he could have been there. But Jesus always has a plan. Listen, Jesus is always at work in our lives. When we believe, even when we're, we've convinced ourselves that Jesus isn't listening, that Jesus isn't paying attention to us, that God just doesn't care about what's going on in my life, he does. But where we trip up is we think that God should move in our time. And God's on his time. He's constantly moving in ways that we can't see. Because he wants to bring us something more, something different. We ask for this very specific thing, but God's thinking way ahead of us. He's thinking bigger. He's thinking more. Look what happens. It's in John 11, through 26 When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? I like that final question. Do you believe this, Martha? And you could just hear Martha's grief, even a little bit of Martha's uh, accusation. Jesus, where were you? She even quotes some scripture trying to cover up her pain, trying to cover up her disappointment, but Jesus gives her something more. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life, but do you believe that? And today... You have places in your life, and I have places in my life that have just died, that are dying. Maybe it's the hope of a healthy marriage. Maybe it's a dream that you've had since you were a little kid, and maybe in your 20s and 30s, that just never came true, and it just you feel like it just has died on the inside of you. Maybe it's the, the desire to be free of an addiction, and it just feels hopeless. You're in this season of brokenness and hurt, and it feels like that Jesus is just waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're crying out and saying, okay, anytime, God. Anytime, God, you can show up. Maybe it's the longing to be free of shame and guilt. You've just been carrying it around for year after year after year, but it just seems like that that will never be a reality for you. Maybe you've even cried out to God, but nothing. I heard a a preacher yesterday that I was listening to, he said something that I 100% agree with. He said, the only regret I have from some of the churches that I grew up in is that they just kept preaching and preaching and preaching that if you just pray more, if you just fast long enough, if you just believe if you just have enough faith that anything will be accomplished and everything will be great. It's just not true. We all know that. If you've been a long, if you've been alive long enough and serving God long enough, you know that there's times that you've cried out and you've prayed and you fasted and you believed and you had faith, and it didn't happen. Here's what I think Jesus wants us all to hear this morning, verse twenty six: "I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live." He's come to bring life to us. Maybe a process. It may take a while but don't give up on Jesus. Because I've seen marriages restored. I've seen people's dreams come true. I've seen people so far away from God that everyone in the family just lost hope. They gave up on that individual and I've seen them surrender their lives to Jesus. Some of us here in this room, that's our story. (laughs) I think probably for most of us in this room, that could be our story. Look what happens at the end of this encounter. Verses 43 and 44, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, talking to the head wrappings and the cloth, unwrap him and let him go. He didn't, need, he didn't need man to go take that stuff off of him. He spoke to the garment and said, let him go. Give him freedom. Let him live. That's a whole other message, just so you know a lot of times we're being bound by things that God's saying, let him go. Jesus went to the unexpected places like a graveyard to bring life to what was dead. And he desires to bring alive in us things that are dead. Dreams, passions, marriages, children, hope, joy. It doesn't have to be something tangible. It can be something mentally and emotionally that's just dried up and dead. And Jesus has come to bring resurrected life to that. Write this down for number two. Jesus invites me to get away and connect with him. This is how we get to do this. He invites me to get away and connect with him. You know, when my kids were little, um, I I would uh, be across the room and I would say something in a real low low voice and have them come closer. What daddy, what daddy, what daddy? And then when they get close enough, I'd grab them and hold them, tickle them or love on them or whatever. And I think God plays the same trick on us sometimes. And it's not not because he doesn't want us to hear what he's trying to say. It's because I think he wants us to just be close to him. One of the greatest prayers that that was ever prayed over me is when I was in Colorado. And I remember the elders of the church were gathering around the pastors one Sunday and praying for us. And they had to sit down in the chairs. And so the elders came by one by one and were praying for us. And one of the elders, he had to be in his late 80s, maybe even early 90s. He put his hand on my shoulder and he got down and he whispered in my ear. He said, father, I pray that pastor Jeremy always keeps his ear on your chest so he can hear your heartbeat. I was like, Oh my gosh, that just resonated so much on the inside of me. Oswald Chambers said this, the voice of the spirit is, is as gentle as a Zephyr. I'm grateful for a gentle God. Aren't you (laughs) I'm so grateful for the times that when he disciplines me, he's gentle. God could, he could, he can intimidate or he he could, he could use my big, loud, boisterous voice to, to connect with me, but instead he pursues us with a whisper. And it's so hard to hear that whisper when we're so busy, when we're so caught up in the chaos of our lives, when we are so involved in this accelerated pace of life that we're in and God's saying, slow down so that you can hear my whisper. I'm reading this book right now called Whisper. Uh, How to Hear the Voice of God by author and pastor Mark Batterson out of Washington, D.C. And he talks about the many ways uh, that God communicates to us today. And as I'm reading this book, as I'm listening to it on Audible, I'm thinking back about the 17 years I've been in ministry and even the 13 years I was in the corporate world before that and thinking about all the times listening to Mark talk about all these many ways that God communicates to us through whispering and all these other different ways. I'm thinking, man, how many times did I not recognize that that was the voice of God? And I just went right on by it because I was too busy to slow down and listen. When you look at the life of Jesus, the expected thing of Jesus was to meet needs, to love people, to teach like no other, to perform miracles. I mean, he is, after all, the Messiah, the son of God. And yes, Jesus did all those things. But then he did something unexpected too. He went to out of the way places and prayed and unusual out of the way methods so that he could really connect and hear from the father. (coughs) Excuse me. In Luke chapter five, we see this massive crowds continually gathered to hear him speak and to be healed from their illnesses. But look at this, but Jesus often, not every now and then, Jesus often slipped away from them and went to out of the way places to pray. Sometimes you and I, we got to get out of our natural environment, out of our natural element to really listen to God. I don't know about you, but I love to go hiking. I love the woods. I grew up in Tennessee on four acres of land, and there was uh, hundreds and hundreds of acres of woods behind my house. My friends and I, we would go back there with our machetes. That's what you want to see, a bunch of 13-year-olds walking around with machetes, right? But we would go there, and we would hack little trees down, and we'd build forts, and we all played army like we were Rambo. I love the woods but I also love the water. I'm a water guy. I love creeks and streams and lakes and rivers and ponds and oceans. I love to be around water. That is my happy place. That is my quiet space. But what about day to day? What about just your average day-to-day? What about just going for a walk and turning off the TV, turning off the phone and just eliminating those distractions or finding that certain chair and that certain room that you say, this is my spot. I have a spot in, in our front room of our house, just one corner of the couch that I go to and I, I, I make sure I get up when it's still dark outside and I have this little Edison bulb on a lamp that I turn on because I don't want it to be super bright and I sit there and I just read scripture and I just allow God to speak to me. But what is your distraction-free, quiet place. What about driving? When you're driving, just turn the radio off. How about slowing down when we drive? That's a big one too, right? <laughs> we, we're so caught up in the speed of everybody else. We think we got and before you know it, our anxiety's through the roof and we're just on another level. And God's just like, slow down, not just physically, but mentally as well. <coughs> Letting that be a peaceful place. Studies have shown that not all of our sensors, uh, senses can be used at full capacity at the same time. One sense will be used more than the others. For example, I don't know about you, but if I'm about to cross railroad tracks, I'll turn the radio down. Not so that I can hear if anything's coming, so that I can see if anything's coming. Am I the only weird one that does that? Before I'm merging onto the interstate, I turn my radio down because I want to be able to see things. Because our senses, they fight against each other. I know I frequently challenge us to have a daily quiet time to read our Bibles, to pray, to maybe even journal, but let me refine it a bit because there's a reason why it's called quiet time. Yes, we can read and pray, but too oftentimes we do those things just to check it off for the day, right? To keep up with our YouVersion app, to keep our streak going. You know, I know that's a, that's a big one for me. We read and pray so that we can connect with God, not just to check off a list, not just for knowledge, but for the depths of our souls. Perhaps God is moving us from, from chaos to rest so that we can really hear what he's trying to speak into our lives. Not so that we can know, have all the answers for direction. You know, a lot, a lot of times we go to God and say, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me where I'm supposed to go. We, we have all these questions that we feel like that the only time we can connect with God is to get answers and direction. And sometimes God is like, I just want you to be with me. Every time I have a conversation with Janet or my children, it's not because I'm wanting to learn something. There's not Too much that my 14-year-old is going to teach me. Well, actually, when it comes to technology, there's probably a lot of stuff she can teach me. But it's just because I want to be with her. It's just because I want to be with Janet. I don't care about the topic. I just like having conversation with her. I think that's a lot of time what God is saying to us. I don't have to teach you something, Jeremy. Every time that that we have a connection, I just want you to be with me. Because we're related and I'm your dad now. I know some people are thinking, well, Jeremy, that must be nice. You know, I know you have four kids. Three of those are adults. And even though I'm not quite an empty nester, I'm moving towards that direction. And some of you are like, yeah, that's not my season, Jeremy. (laughs) My house is chaos, and it is loud, and it is this, and it is that. So it must be nice to be in that season. And I'll tell you, it is nice. And I can't wait to get closer to being an empty nester. But I also remember just a few years ago when all four of my kids were 18 and under. And we were busy. With school, and sports, and choir practice, and youth group, and getting jobs, and learning to drive, and discipline, and all those crazy things that comes with kids. I know. I get it. And I know none of us have just hours and hours that we can just pour into our relationship and our quiet time with God. But do you have at least a corner? Is there just a moment in your life every day that you can give to God and say, this is just me and God time? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to read anything. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet for the next five minutes and just allow God to replenish me. Is there just a slice of time in your day when you can get away from the distractions and really experience a taste of what the author said in the scripture of being still and knowing God? If there is, find it. Push for it. Fight for it. Don't give up on it. Look what Jesus was dealing with. Look what it says. Massive crowds. They all wanted the peace of Jesus. Heal me, teach me, direct me, guide me. They sincerely needed something from Jesus. And in the midst of all of their needs and in the midst of all their demands, the Savior of the Lord still needed to slip away and spend some quiet time with his Father. And if Jesus needed to do that, (laughs) then you and I desperately need to do that, right? Right? That leads us to number three. Jesus invites me to experience healing. He invites me to experience healing. Last week, Pastor Tito took us on a journey as, we, as Jesus went to the outsider. We looked at the encounter that Jesus had with a guy named Zacchaeus, one of the despised outsiders. and We learned how Jesus gave him value, how he gave him worth. And not only did he give him value and worth, but then he invited him into something deeper and something more. You see as a as a rabbi and as a teacher uh, and, and one that was really beginning to draw crowds everywhere he went because he had a reputation among all the Pharisees this guy wherever he goes whatever town he's going to he is drawing a massive crowd and it was expected of Jesus because he his himself was a rabbi so you see in scripture let me give you just a little bit of a um, a, a, a little bit of a learning here that rabbis didn't start until the age of 30 that's why uh, that's why we know that Jesus started his ministry at age 30 because at age 30 is when you can finally come out and say it's my season. It's my season to step into my rabbinical uh, duties of being a priest and being a rabbi. So this is why we know that he was at the age of 30. And everything that they wanted to do was to build themselves up. All these these pharisaical rabbis had the same agenda, to climb the ladder, to hang out with the elder rabbis, the elder Pharisees, to hang out with the who's who of the Jewish temple to get themselves in the right circle of influence and power, to, like I said, work themselves up the religious ladder of success. But that wasn't Jesus. Jesus said, no, that's good for you guys. I want to do something different. I'm going to do something unexpected. That was the expected path of influential teachers back then. But look what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. This is critical because this is a big, big deal. And we're going to read why in just a minute. Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. How dare he? But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? These are the pastors that are talking like this. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I want to read that again. I came for those... Not for the ones who think they're righteous, but the ones who know they're sinners. The imitation of Matthew was pretty shocking for most of the people. And probably pretty shocking for the Pharisees or for the disciples that he had already called as well. They had to be saying, Jesus, are you sure you want that guy in part of our little circle here? And then to really shake things up, he went over his house for dinner. Now, like we said, this is a big deal because sharing your your house uh, over dinner is not just about food. Back then, 2,000 years ago, and maybe still in religious or in Jewish culture today, it is a big deal because it's about fellowship. It's about sharing life. At its core, it's about this idea of acceptance and approval and common faith. That's why good Jews would never sit down with sinners. They would never sit down with with, uh, Gentiles or non-Jews. They always sit down with people that they had common faith with. You literally only shared your table back then with someone that you were deeply connected to and doing life with people that you aligned with, with your values and your morals and your families. But then Jesus he had to mess it up, right? He stepped right into this unexpected place because he saw people who had value and worth, not only to him, but also to his father. He saw people who were wounded. He saw people who were hurting He saw people who were stuck in their sin and his desire was to bring healing and hope right where they are. And we say this a lot around here, that Jesus will accept you exactly where you are, but he doesn't intend for you to stay there. Broken, doesn't matter what's going on in your life, what you've done, how big of a sin you've committed, Jesus will take you right where you are and then he'll transform you and expect a change. There's an author And a priest named Brennan Manning, he wrote this about this story of Jesus. This this one particular story of Jesus going to Matthew's house for dinner. And he wrote this. I love this. He said this, this passage should be read, reread, and memorized. Every Christian generation tries to dim the blinding brightness of its meaning because the gospel sounds too good to be true going over this tax collector's house for dinner simplifies the gospel because it shows that Jesus came for every single person. When he says sick people don't need a doctor or or, well people don't need a doctor, sick people do. We think the good news has a deeper and more meaningful application with more meat. We've convinced ourselves that there's got to be something more. There's got to be something deeper and more meaningful to the gospel. But every time we think that, we dim the brightness of the gospel. We think that salvation and healing belongs to those who are able to get all their answers about religion down pat. We think that the only people who are worthy to come to Jesus are those that have gone through the checklist and they've checked everything off. And now they can go to Jesus and say, will you accept me? And Jesus is like, throw that away. I accept you exactly the way that you are. You don't have to have a checklist of duties that you have to fulfill before you can come to me. Come to me exactly the way you are. And let me transform you. We reduce God to rules. We think we're doing God a favor. We check off our religious duties for the day. We think we're doing God a favor. And Jesus is simply saying, I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. Jesus says, I've come to call the sinners, not those who think that they're, good, that they're already good enough. We say this often here, but if you're new to New Life Patterson, I just want to say it again, that we want to make sure around here that we create in this space the environment that this is a hospital for sinners and not a hotel for saints. Because we're all broken, <laughs> every single one of us. Like Oprah says, we all got something, right? We've all got something. And let me, let, let me just let you know that that includes the staff. I'm broken. I've got stuff. Pastor Tito's broken. He's got stuff. Miss Anna's broken. She's got stuff. We've all got stuff. And I just smile every Sunday when I see the new faces come in and I hear their story about their brokenness and about where they've been. And I'm saying, just welcome, man. <laughs> You belong here because we're all just messed up. And every one of us is exactly who Christ came for. And we get to do this together as a family, as one big, giant, broken, messed up family. We get to do this together. All Jesus wants is to pour out his love, to give mercy to undeserving sinners, to receive sinners and proclaim sinners as not guilty. Why? Super simple. Because he loves you. That's it. That sums up Jesus. He loves you. That's the truth. And he loves you and I so much that he's been on a mission to convince us of that. He's been on a mission to let us know how much he loves us. He was on a mission so badly and so deeply and so passionately that he came and he died on a cross. Just to say, this is how much I love you. And the good news means that we can stop all of our pretending. (laughs) We don't have to wear masks. We can say, God, I know that I don't have to have a checklist to come to you. This is who I am. Now, will you do something with me? (laughs) Transform me, use me. Because we all are in need of his love and his grace. We all are in need of his healing. And let me just say this before I close. You can't fix yourself. You can try. You can read books. You can go to counseling. You can talk to friends. All those things are critical. I do those things. I think you should do all those things as well. But there are going to be places and spaces in your life that you cannot fix. That no one in your family can fix. That no counselor can fix. Those are spaces and places that only Jesus can fix. But will you invite him in? Will you allow him Like we said, it's not going to happen overnight. You can't wake up on Monday and say, I'm better. Everything's great. It's a process. It's a journey. Jesus went to unexpected places. And he's come to unexpected places in your life. Those places where you thought, Jesus doesn't even know about this. God doesn't even care about this in my life. He cares about these things, but not these things. There's going to be places in my life that I'm going to stand before God one day and say, yeah, I didn't do that well. I think I did these things really well, but I didn't do this very well. I didn't depend on Jesus enough for this area. He's not going to be mad at me, but he does want us to invite him in. Those are the places where he completely can make us whole. Jesus went to the unexpected places and he comes to us to bring healing right where we are, to bring resurrection in a, those places in our life that are either dying or dried up or dead. Like I said, it could, it's maybe not even a physical thing. It could be an emotional or psychological, mental, spiritual, whatever those places are inside of us that are just drying up or dead. He came to resurrect those in, our, in us. And he invites us, the last thing. He invites us to get away with him, even if it's just for a couple of minutes a day, to just be with him. No formula, (laughs) just to sit and be with him. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads, please. Father, thank you so much for wanting us and desiring for us to be with you. There are unexpected places in my life, Lord, that you have shown up over the years. And I thought, oh, that had to be Jesus because that was totally unexpected. That was an unexpected conversation that made my day. That was an unexpected reward that, or, or maybe even an unexpected challenge that I, when I went into it at the beginning of the day, it seemed so... Uh, so big, but you were able to minimize it and to help me overcome it, Lord. Because that's what you do. Lord, I know there are people in this room right now that feel as if they are the unexpected person, that their heart is the unexpected place, that they're Their mental and emotional state, Lord, seems like a place where they've been crying out to you over and over. And it seems like you're just waiting and waiting. And they're saying, anytime now, God. But when you do show up, not if, but when you do show up, Lord, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be more. Because we've surrendered our lives to you. Father, I'm so excited about what you're doing through New Life Patterson, what you're doing in all of us, uh, all of our lives, Lord. Father, we're... Together, as a family, Lord, you're moving us forward. You're moving us one step closer to you. Father, as a pastor here over New Life Patterson, Lord, I'm so proud that you've called me to be the shepherd of your people. Father, this is not our church. This is your church. This is your kingdom come, your will be done. So, Father, I pray that even this week, Throughout the day that there's conversations between people and you, between husband and spouse, uh, uh, between spouses, Lord, between boyfriends and girlfriends, Lord, just whatever our relationship, Lord, Lord, there's there's conversations that are happening about what are some of those deep places, those unexpected places that God can do a miracle in my life. And all this week, Lord, you'll just mess with us (laughs) as uncomfortable as that is sometimes, Lord. You can just continue to remind us that you go to the unexpected places in our lives. Lord, we love you. We surrender ourselves to you. It's all in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Next week is the first Sunday of the month, so we're doing communion. Okay, so make sure you bring somebody. We, all, we used to say this a lot, and I want to get back to it. That there, uh, there's a lot of great things happening here at New Life. We want you to come back next week and bring somebody with you because great things are happening. Don't forget all the announcements that we gave uh, at the beginning before the message. Uh, if you came prepared to give, you can do that uh, in our giving boxes located at our exits. So if you give online, thank you so much for that. And also, if you want to sign up for one of our volunteer teams, it's super easy. Text the word team to 30500. Hey, we love you guys. Your family. Have a have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday.